0: morning, church. Happy Easter to all of you. Happy Resurrection Day. We are happy to be gathered together uh, under under this capacity. We are bummed that we're not meeting together, but at least we are able to do this. We're able to get into God's Word, and we know that many of you all are watching. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul in his letters when he would often write, but we are always of good courage. There may be a lot that we could be discouraged about right now, but this very day reminds us that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and he is alive now, and we live in light of that, and so we are always of good courage. Happy Easter to you all. I wanna ask you, if you would, to turn in the Bible to John chapter 20, John chapter 20. For the past several weeks, we have been in the book of Philippians. Our church has been in a series walking through that great book, uh, but we're gonna take a break from that just today. We'll be back there next Sunday. We're gonna take a break from that today to look at a little aspect of uh, the Gospels, a little aspect of the uh, resurrection story as we see Jesus dealing with Thomas, or rather Thomas dealing with Jesus. That's in John chapter 20. John chapter 20, we're gonna read about Jesus and Thomas. Before I read, though, I want to tell y'all of a, of a story that I remember one time when I was out with my, my kids don't remember where we were at, but we had we came upon a snake, and you know snakes are scary. None of us are going to to pick one up, and we were all afraid of it. But we came upon this snake, and we were looking at it, and it and it, and it wasn't moving. And I had my kids with me, and you you can picture that we're gathering around it, and we're looking at it, and we're scared, and we're not trying to get close enough. But it wasn't moving, but it was real. And all of a sudden, we're we're we're, we're asking ourselves, is it alive? And I'm like, I don't know, and. One of my kids goes over like they're about to pick it up. I'm like, stop, stop, leave it alone. It could be alive, and if it's alive, it's gonna, it's gonna get you. And so we're there, and we're, we're messing with it, and dealing, I'm like throwing sticks at it, throwing rocks at it, trying to get it to move, and we can't tell if it was dead or alive. Eventually, we found out that it wasn't alive. It was a dead snake, and so we could drop our guard and the kids could then pick it up and play with, and it was no big deal. And to be honest, we weren't nearly as interested. It was kind of not cool anymore and over and done with. And Y'all, that type of experience is kind of what we have going on in the world today, in our lives, and perhaps in, in your very life when it comes to God, when it comes to the faith, when it comes to church, when it comes to religion. Is he dead or, or is he alive? And that's the question that I want to ask here this morning. And I really want to ask you, I wanna look straight at you and ask, is Jesus alive? The answer to that question really makes all the difference. If that snake had been alive, then we had to keep our distance. We couldn't dare touch it. We better watch out. We better watch our back. We better not let it come at us, attack, jump, snap, anything like that, if it was alive. But if it was dead, Well, that changes everything, really. We don't even have to worry or care. And so it is with God. All of life comes down to this very question Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe Him? Today, I want to take that question a bit further. I want to ask another question. I want to ask a question that accompanies that question. I want to ask a question that frames or supports the other question, do you believe him? And I want to ask, is he alive? To be quite honest, we have too many people these days thinking about religion and truth and Christianity without considering the work of Christ. We're thinking about these huge, grand subjects without dealing with, is Jesus alive? And if he is alive, then that is so huge. It is such a dynamic factor in the consideration that it changes everything. And so this morning, I want us to ask that I want to remind you that as the Bible ends, we get this revelation, this revealing of Jesus to the apostle John. And as John starts to describe what he's seeing in Revelation, we have this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not, this is Jesus speaking, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forever." More, The Bible tells us, the end of the Bible tells us that Jesus himself says to us, he is alive. May we not be those who will sit back in our own lives with our own opinions and disregard the claim of Christ that Jesus is alive. Listen to this quote from one commentator. He says, Christianity rests on the certainty of the resurrection, on the certainty of Jesus' resurrection as an occurrence in history. The gospels have the resurrection as their goal with the empty tomb and resurrection appearances and the book of Acts insists on it. We cannot understand history and we cannot understand church history without the truth of Jesus being alive. And yet here we find ourselves today with so many people disregarding it. So tonight I want to show you a small piece of the resurrection story We have the resurrection in all four Gospels. You can find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have them telling us of how Jesus came and he taught and he lived. He never sinned. We know that uh, to be a sinner is to know that you're going to die. Nobody lives forever. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus never sinned. So when Jesus goes to the cross, we start asking why is he dying? How is he dying? And we remember the very words of Jesus where he says he laid down his life or God gave his son or God sacrificed his son. We remember that. But I want tonight to look at John's account of the resurrection story. We have the resurrection. We have Mary. We have uh, uh, we have that awesome passage of Peter and John racing there, and John beats him there because he's faster, but Peter's braver, so he goes in first. Right? We have that. We have Jesus appearing to all of the disciples. That's in verses nineteen to twenty three. And I want us to read today in verse twenty four. John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas was one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. You may have life in his name. Many of you all I know are gonna be familiar with the the story of the Bible. Perhaps the, the story of the New Testament is more familiar to you and the story of the Gospels and even the story of Jesus and his work on the cross. Easter is about that. But this little tidbit here, this short few verses, perhaps you don't know as well. So let's walk through it. This is Jesus and one of his disciples, Thomas. You know, Jesus had 12 disciples. We know some of them really well because they're uh, some of the main characters in the Bible. Thomas, just a little bit. Thomas is known as Doubting Thomas, and here's why. Thomas always uh, seems to appear when he's got a good question. He was a skeptic. Thomas needed some proof. He needed some evidence. He didn't wanna just believe if it wasn't something that should be believed. And so we often see him doubting or questioning. Uh, You may remember in John chapter 14 when Jesus says this, uh, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. You know that passage. It's the one about heaven. and Jesus is getting heaven ready for us. Well, it's, it's there that we see Thomas speak up and say, God, it's John chapter 14. Thomas speaks up and says, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Those were Thomas's words. That was doubting Thomas, saying, what are you talking about, Jesus? We don't know where you're going. We don't know what you're doing. What, what's all this about? And whatever the way is, we, how can we know the way? And it's where we get the answer, John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. That whole scene that you, that you may know comes from Thomas asking a good question. What is the way to heaven, Thomas asks. Well, here at John chapter 20, we have Thomas again. And I started at verse 24, and verse 24 comes right after Jesus has just been in this upper room with the disciples post-resurrection. So he's appeared to them and shown them that he is alive. The disciples were scared, they were hiding. Everything that they'd been up to for the last three years of living as faithful followers and students of Jesus has now been shaken, it's been disrupted. They didn't know, honestly, what their identities were. Jesus comes and appears to them, and he says, peace be with you. Uh, God is working in them. Jesus is about to send them out. like He's telling them all of that good stuff. Then we get to verse 24, and it says, Thomas, who was one of the 12, who was called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So he wasn't there. So the the proof that those other disciples have that Jesus has come back to life, he has risen up from the grave, he arose. This proof that the other disciples now have, they're living in light of the resurrection. They know that he overcame death, Thomas had not seen yet. Verse 25, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now remember, these 12 guys in many ways, were like best friends. They were truly brothers. They had been with Jesus for the last three years. They have heard his sermons. They have seen his miracles. They were eyewitnesses to the glory of God through his son, Jesus. And he wasn't there. So the other 11 are telling him, hey, he's alive. We've seen him. Bro, he's back. But Thomas is skeptical. So he says, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Let me stop there for a second. If he does not believe that Jesus is alive at this point, you know what he does believe? Okay, you know what he does believe right now? That he died. He is certain of that. He believes in the crucifixion. He doesn't yet believe in the resurrection, but he believes in the crucifixion. He is telling his guys, his brothers, he's telling these other disciples, no, 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 you say you've seen him, I'm not gonna believe that. He even says, I will never believe unless I can actually see where the nails went in, where the nails went in, where that spear stab went in, because we know that the Bible teaches us that they stabbed him in the side for proof that he was dead, and the water and the blood ran out, and we knew, they knew, we know that he was dead then. They did not have to break his legs as they do to kill the criminals on the cross. He was dead. But Thomas knew that. Listen to me. So much of what life is about, so much of what Christianity is about is believing that God loves you and he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Now, part of understanding that is then moving forward to the fact that he overcame death and he's alive now and we want you to believe in a resurrection as well. But here we have somebody, we're right in the midst of it where he's not believing in a resurrection but he is for sure certain of the crucifixion. So he's wrestling with this and he's skeptical. And that is here today where many of us find ourselves. I know, you know, we know that we wrestle with the truth. We're often up and down. We have seasons of such surety and we have seasons of doubt. We waver, we backslide. We we find ourselves going, man, I'm just not so sure. And we can identify here with Thomas because he's certain of the crucifixion, but he's so uncertain of the resurrection. And he even says, I will never believe, okay? So that's, that's where that little story ends. But verse 26 picks up and says, eight days later, so it's been a little bit over a week, eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And this time, Thomas was with them. Verse 24, he was not with them the first time. Verse 26, he is with them this time. So it's a big uh, point in the story that you gotta notice. And although the doors were locked... Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Listen, uh, if, you, if you don't believe Jesus is who he is, you don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, if you don't understand who Jesus is, that sounds like a super crazy, weird part of the story. But since we're dealing with the God man who's already been to death and back, since we know that he came out of the empty tomb, we're not really taken back by that. It's just another check mark in just how awesome he is. We praise God for his son, our Lord Jesus, who died for us and now lives and reigns forever. When he shows up in an empty room, where where the doors are locked. We just say, that's just who he is. That's how he does things. He is truly that glorious. And so he says to them, peace be with you. The exact same thing he said in verse 21, the first time he met him in the room, peace be with you. But he's come back this time to bring peace again. And I think he's come back this time to bring peace again strictly because of Thomas. Verse 26, peace be with you. Verse 27, then he said to Thomas, hey, Jesus wasn't there When Thomas gave that little speech in verse uh, 25 that he said to the other disciples, hey, I need some proof, and until I can touch it, see it, feel it, I will never believe. Jesus wasn't there, but listen, you better believe he heard. God hears all things. Now, God may answer prayers only according to His will and only according to the name of Jesus, but God hears everything. One of the things that I love to say at funerals, and one of the things I love to remind my children, is that God has more ears than us. God is the Spirit. He doesn't actually have ears, but He hears everything. He hears my thoughts, He hears my whispers. He hears my complaints. He hears my screams. He hears my bad attitude. He hears my cursings. He hears, listen, he hears my cries. He hears my heart's longings. He hears my prayers. God hears it all. Now, he's God, so he can answer how he wants to answer, and we trust him for that. We have been taught to pray to him through Christ by faith, and he will answer according to his will whatever we ask him, but take Note here that when Jesus shows back up, he goes straight at Thomas and he starts answering and addressing what Thomas had been saying when Jesus was not there. So doubting Thomas is thinking he needs proof. And at that part of the story, we're kind of wondering, is he going to get the proof? Is he going to get the evidence? Will he ever believe? Because he said, I'll never believe if I don't get the proof. And then we see Jesus coming in hot Pursued. The Bible teaches us that God pursues us, comes and finds us. Jesus goes after us when we think we're far from him or we think he doesn't care. He shows up, convicts us of our sins, brings us under the power of the Holy Spirit and causes us to believe. In verse 25, we got Thomas acting all big and bad. I know all you 11 say that you do, but until I get the proof, I'm not going to believe. Two verses later, verse 27, Jesus shows up and goes straight at Thomas. And the first word we hear is, give me your finger. Put your finger here, see my hands. Put out your hand, place it on my side. Don't you disbelieve, Thomas. Believe. Don't you disbelieve, Thomas, but believe. And at that point, verse 28, Thomas answers what are the two biggest statements you could possibly ever say about the Lord Jesus Christ. My Lord and my God. He uses the two strongest words that we have in the whole language for God. Yahweh and God. He calls Jesus God Almighty. He calls Jesus God. Just two verses later, three verses later, he was given a speech about, man, I need some proof. I ain't so sure about this. I know about the crucifixion. I'm not so sure about the resurrection. He's acting like that, but when Jesus shows up and shows him that he's alive, he is now a believer. Thomas believes that Jesus is alive. Then Jesus has a comment that's not for Thomas so much as it is for us. It is for the history of the church. It is for the rest of the world. It is for the future. This verse 29 is not so much for the disciples and those people living there. It is for those who would read it later. He says, Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? He's asking, what is the grounds for which you believe really? Is it because you've seen something? Is it because of an experience? Or is it because I've captured your heart and you know the power of a changed life, the power of a resurrection? You know that sin's been dealt with and that I'm alive. What is it? And he says this, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Those are the very words of Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 29. Blessed are those people who have not seen Jesus, they have not seen the scars, the nails, they have not seen his side, they've never seen the blood flow, but they believe that he died, and they believe that he lives. This passage here today brings us to the place of asking ourselves, do we believe that? Thomas didn't, but he does now. He didn't believe it for a time, There were several days I guess, let's think about this, I guess if he died on a Friday, Thomas, Thomas started really doubting then, and then he rose on a Sunday, on the third day he rose, and then the Bible says there at verse 26 that it was eight days later, so maybe in Thomas's life there was about an 11-day window where he thought Jesus was a fake and a phony. He was awesome, he lived, he ministered, he served, he really did help people, he was a great teacher, he was all of those things, but he is not the living Savior God. He is not the suffering servant that God sent to die for the sins of the world. He is not the Messiah. About 11 days, that's the state that Thomas was in. But after 11 days, Thomas believed that Jesus is alive. And he even does now. And I want to ask us here this morning in what time we have left, what about you? How would you answer that question? If I were to ask you, as we ask you here this morning, is Jesus alive, what do you say? And I wanna play around for a little bit with three different answers. The first one is no. If I say, is he alive, and you say no, because there are people that say that, there are people that say, no, they don't believe. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in truth. They don't believe in this book that was written by people, right? That's, oh, they don't, they don't believe those things. I want to say two things to that. If you don't believe, you don't think that you believe, you don't believe that Jesus is alive, I want to say, well, why is that? Why are you so against that? And, and here are two thoughts. Is it because you want to, but you just say you can't? You know, I really really would like to do the church thing. I really would like to be a a spiritual person, but I mean, I just can't, man. It's a long time ago. It's hard to believe, man. You don't know what I've been through, my experiences, because we hear that a lot. They they, they say they want to believe, but they don't. Now, I wanna say this. We hear you. That makes sense. But the Bible's message says that that very position that you're in of not believing is how every one of us are. Every one of us have this idea of considering God. What is it? What do we make of religion and all of that? So have you considered this? Have you thought about what I just said? Have you thought about what we're reading here today? Have you thought about what Easter season is really about? I remember one of my kids came home from school uh, or earlier this school year back when kids used to go to school because they don't anymore. I remember when one of my kids came home from school and he he said his best friend at school told him that he hates Christians and he never wants anything to do with Christians. And I said, "Man, don't worry about that. He doesn't know what he means." Because y'all are best friends. We've been calling families interacting, trying to get the kids together, they love each other. They're like best friends in elementary school, they love each other, but he told him that he hated Christians, so here's what I'm saying. He doesn't really know what he means when he says that. And so perhaps when you're here today saying, you know, I don't believe, perhaps it's because you don't know what Jesus is really like. Perhaps you're trying to evaluate Christianity or church based off somebody that you know or something bad that you've heard or a bad experience that somebody's had, but you've not thought about, is he alive? A lot of times we hear people say, man, that was so long ago, I, I, I just don't know. And it seems like so such a long time ago that it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind for me. You know, I was thinking about this. Just this week, I started thinking about who was the, who were one of the oldest people that I knew that are still alive, and I contacted them, and I said, hey, what, what year were you born? They said, I was born in 1925. I know somebody in our church that was born in 1925. I said, what, what year was your mom born? They said, 1900. I said, what, what year was your grandma born? They said, uh, I think 1870-something. I started thinking, that was so long ago. I have no idea if those people are real. I, I, they are so far away from me being You know, I don't know my great-great-grandparents. I didn't even meet but any of my, of my great-grandparents. That's such a long time ago. But you know what? We believe they were real. They're real people. And we would be very foolish to act like I'm just not gonna take them serious or that they were real or, or that they actually said anything or did anything. It was such a long time ago. Folks, history may be skewed a little bit But history is something that we should not ignore. We have people believing throughout the centuries that Jesus is alive. If your answer today is that you don't believe, then I want you to hear that the Bible says, would you consider it? Would you see that there are lots of people that don't believe? And the Bible wants us to come to the place where we say, I've not thought about that. The Bible says he died because he loves you. The Bible says he died for us. Do you believe it? Will you consider it? Some people say, no, I don't think he's alive, but there's another category. Some people say, I don't know. Some people say, I don't know to that, and I'm not sure. And to that, I want to say, man, this is good. This is honest. That's a, fair, that's a fair answer. This is the very thing that the Bible wants us to address. The Bible, in and of itself, is, is, is cool because it wants us to be people that say, hey, there are people that don't believe. If, if you don't know this about God, the Bible is not antagonistic against people that don't believe. The Bible is an invitation to people that don't believe. The Bible is set up where God wants us to always be going and telling and, Inviting and explaining. The Bible over and over again says, Hey, go and tell them and go and tell them. Hey, go and tell the kids. Hey, make sure you tell your grandkids. Make sure that generations after generations after generations. That's what God is like. And so what we find in the Bible is the truth of God that God wants people who don't believe to come to believe. This happens. This is our story. This is how lives are changed. I remember years ago I was working in a restaurant. When I worked in a restaurant, I used to carry this pocket Bible in in my my back pocket. And one day I had a little break, like a 10 minute break, and I sat down at one of the booths and I was reading my Bible and a coworker walked up and he said, man, what are you reading? I said, I'm just reading the Bible here. He said, the Bible? He said, I've never read the Bible, ever. Y'all, there are people like that. And so I don't know what he believes, but he doesn't believe the truth because he doesn't know it. But I also realized that he could if he would consider it, if he would hear it, if somebody would tell him about it, but he didn't know it. He said, I don't want you to preach to me. This is a true story. He said, I don't want you to preach to me. I I want you to tell me, just in a short sentence, what that book's about. And I was thinking to myself, man, I don't know. I said, I'll tell you one verse. John 14, six says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. The only way for you to know God, and God wants you to know him, it's through his son that died for you. He said, that's something to think about. See, that's where God wants us to be. God wants us to consider his truth. And believe me, his truth is good. He wants us to. I'll tell you another time, I was at the restaurant, a different restaurant, and I was working. This is back years ago. I was working in a restaurant. And a huge storm came up. It was raining so bad that nobody's coming into the restaurant. So we're just standing around and talking. After the, after the storm ended, it cleared, and there was this amazing rainbow outside. And everybody's like, man, you gotta come out here and see this rainbow. We walked outside and there were a couple of us standing outside the restaurant. And I said, everybody's like, man, that's an amazing rainbow. Isn't that cool, man? Nature's just awesome. I said, you know, God puts that rainbow in the skies. So you know why? The guy working with him was like, no. What's, what, what's it there for? What, why does God do that? I said, well, a long time ago, God made a promise that when he was judging people because of they had sinned, they he would never do that again. He would never, ever judge the whole world like that again with the flood, and he put the rainbow there to remind us that he makes good promises to us and that he loves us. He said, I'd never heard that. I'd never heard that before. You know what we have, folks? We have a world of people who have an opinion on God where it's not been informed. They don't really know what God's like. And so they say things like, when we say, is Jesus alive? Or if they consider, is Jesus alive? They say, I don't know, I'm not sure. If that's you today, then I'll say, hey, that's okay. Hear today, hear today with your ears that Jesus did die, and Jesus is alive. And if you will believe it, he will forgive your sins. Some people say no, some people say I don't know, I don't know. but some people, listen to me, some people say yes. Some people come to believe in Christ. This happens. This happens all the time. Our church is full of people that used to not believe. Our church is full of people that didn't used to think Jesus is alive, but now they know that Jesus is alive. The church is full of people that are just like Thomas. Man, I'm a skeptic. I don't know, but now I believe. People that used to never say, Jesus is my Lord and my God, but now that's what we love to say Jesus is my Lord and my God. There are people, praise God, who believe that He is. Listen to this quote. The resurrection, Jesus being alive, guarantees the believer's present forgiveness and justification with God. The resurrection is the hope of eternal life in Christ for every believer. If you will believe, then you can be right with God. First Peter says it like this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So I ask you here this morning, do you believe? And if you're not sure, if you say no or I don't know, I wanna ask you to think about it. Hear us today saying that we do. We remember when we didn't. I certainly remember when I didn't. I remember the first time that somebody shared the gospel with me when I was a young teenager and them asking me, do you want to believe? And I remember that I said to them, no, I don't. But I'm thinking about it. I remember that very clearly. I remember saying no. I remember them leaving. And I remember just kind of wrestling with, I remember how that felt to say, hey, they say they believe and I don't believe. I remember that. But I also remember when I said, you know, I do believe. There are people that believe There are people that have loved me so well that do believe. There are people that I see doing great things in the world, sacrificial things. There are humble people in the world that do believe. And when I read this book that God sent to us as a testimony to his word, and he says that Jesus is alive, I believe it. I wanna ask you here today, is Jesus alive? Think about that. Can you say no to it? Can you say that those that believe it are wrong, would you say that? Or would you say, I don't know? Would you consider it? Would you listen a little bit further? Would you read a little bit more? Would you call me or email me or call one of our church people or contact one of our church people and say, hey, can we talk about is Jesus alive? I'm gonna give you one little testimony that just seems to hit the nail on the head for me. Because I know that many of you think I sure can't identify more with Thomas in those first verses than I can Thomas in the later verses, I realize that. I realize that, I have so many friends and so many family members and so many people around here in Fairdale that think, I don't know man, I'm just not so sure about all that. There's a story in the Old Testament about Job, awesome story, big long one, it's a good one. And Job's life has everything going Well in it. Job's one of those guys where it seems like everything just goes right for him. He trusts God, he loves God, he's got a lot of blessing in his life. But then it all turned bad. Job found himself in a a mess. All of his children had died, all of his land had been taken away, all of his possessions had been destroyed. Job was now in a bad, bad position. And he doesn't know why. There was a lot that Job didn't understand Job didn't know what was happening to him. Job didn't know why it was happening to him. Job didn't understand his family. Job didn't understand his friends. Job was suffering. He had lost so much, he had lost his status. Job had lost his identity. There was so much that he, listened, admittedly, painfully, and ashamedly didn't understand. Job was hurting, he was broken, and he didn't have answers. He had a lot of questions, but no answers. When you get to Job chapter 19, he says this. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen, with lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my redeemer lives. Job says, there is a whole lot that I don't know and I don't get. But the one thing I do know is that I have a God who loves me and is my Savior. Folks, Christianity is about Jesus being alive. Hear these lyrics. There's a reason why the curse of sin is broken. There's a reason why the darkness runs from light. There's a reason why we stand here now forgiven. Jesus is alive. There's a reason why we are not overtaken. There's a reason why we sing on through the night. There's a reason why our hope remains eternal. Jesus is alive. Praise the king, he is risen. Praise the king, he's alive. Praise the king, death's defeated, hallelujah, he's alive. There's a reason why our hearts can be courageous. There's a reason why the dead are made alive. There's a reason why we share his resurrection Jesus is alive. This morning, this Easter Sunday, I want to ask you, beg you and plead with you to consider is he alive? And I want you to hear from First Baptist Church of Fairdale that he is and that he forgives sin to all who will believe, all who will repent, he loves us. To not believe in the resurrection is to reject the love of God. May we believe this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you are alive. You've done it, you're living, and you've told us that. God, thank you for Thomas' example of doubting, and thank you, God, that you gave him the proof and he believes, but we remember the words of Jesus. He saw and believed, but blessed are those who won't get to see and yet will still believe. Father, give us faith, give us life, make us believers, for you are alive and you're alive because you died for us. We worship you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.